Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL, where you truly do hear from legends. Welcome to tonight's interview with Jen Murata. You can see Jen here on the other side of the screen. Uh, before we get to Jen though, I wanna thank Trent Austin and Austin Custom Brass for sponsoring uh, not just tonight's interview, but all of June. Of course, last week we had Rachel Samoya, uh, tonight, Jen. Next week, Sarah Stoneback. The week after that is James Morrison. And to finish out June, we have Chris Coletti. Not a bad lineup, <laughs> right? That's great. Um, let's see. Of course, you can find all of these interviews on any podcast platform. The audio from tonight even will end up on uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Apple or, or Spotify. Uh, the video will end up on the YouTube channel. And of course, uh, if you'd like to sign up for the newsletter, you can do that at studiohfl.com. And if you would like to become a patron, a, a supporter of Studio HFL, you can do that at patreon.com slash studiohfl. And let's see, oh, one more thing. Hey, I've got a new shirt to show here. I'm wearing it and uh, I'm, I'm wondering, Right. So participation in this conversation, Jen, may lead to episodes of regret. That is that that's, is an, that's a common theme. An interview specific, interview specific. Uh, I got to get my camera fixed there. There we are. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, just trying to be a little bit funny with that. I love it. OK, almost adjusted. Hey, there we are. OK, so Jen Murata, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. This is really I'm great. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Yeah, uh, of course, you know, you've been, you're famous, but you've become extra, extra famous <laughs> uh, as of late with these, uh, these really wonderful videos you've been putting out of the oh. Arvin's Art of Phrasing. Thank you. It's been really a, a fun project to do. Well, what in the world possessed you <laughs> to, to put that out there? Yeah, it, 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 it's it's been something that I've wanted to do for a while. And uh, obviously with the whole pandemic situation not performing, it's given a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say time because it's actually almost been less time for those that have little ones at home 24 seven for the last year, I understand. But at the same time, I, I felt like I, uh, I wanted to sort of uh, put a little bit more out there that I hadn't been uh, on social media. My, my, USC students are always saying, uh, you know, Jen, you need to you need to be more active on social media and do more promoting. And and I'm not the world's best self promoter. Uh, and so I, it wasn't really about promotion, but it was just being a little bit more involved in um, in sort of the education world and uh, and contributing in a way that I um, felt excited about because a lot of my students use these these uh, etudes in the entire. Arvin book in general, um, and there's not much resource out there. And a lot of them, when they get the the piece for the first time, they look at it just like wide eyes, like I don't even know how to start. And um, I just thought, you know, I could at least give some starter tips for these. They're not super long videos, but at least enough to give a, sort of a starting point to, to branch into them. So it's been fun. And I, you know, when I when I record each one each week, I notice. Oh, there's still a lot of these left. So I'm just trucking along and enjoying every week of it. And it's been a fun le uh, learning process on how to record and how to edit a video together and all things that I actually had zero idea about before. Uh, and now I know just a little. <laughs> the Hokan took the easy way out. He only chose 36. <laughs> the, yeah, but they're pretty tough 36. 
and it's right? Hokan. Well, they're not tough for him, but you know, they're uh, they're definitely a little bit more involved than the four-lined Arb and Art of Phrasing videos. <laughs> you know, but uh, just to think about um, it, it, some of these are pretty dated, right? Yeah. I mean, even yeah. My Country Tis of Thee, right? Yeah. You know, a tune that you think every every kid's going to know that goes through band. Even though some people don't even know how that goes, but yeah. so having the exactly. the the resource yeah. there, um, and I, you know, I've thought uh, about finding the lyrics to all of these as mm -hmm. well would be yeah. such a great help because then you really learn, yeah. you know, like where those commas go and the periods and all that. But exactly, um, who was it that first put out the? Uh, it was like David Baldwin, I think, did the character characteristic studies yeah. years ago. Yeah, he did some of the, I think, Charlier's as well. You know, but what a great resource you're providing here. And, you, you know, I'm sure, I'm hoping, well, I'm not sure, but I'm <laughs> sure hoping that you'll make it to 150. <laughs> I, I'm hoping. I'm, I'm, I'm just doing one week at a time. I have sort of a stockpile of some of the playing parts of them. And then I, you know, I, the, the longer involvement is just the, you know, putting together the talking and putting the video together itself. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to keep going. This summer I might be a little slower just, I'm be in the trucks, but on that, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going. Once I'm kind of one of those stubborn types that when I decide on something, I just I'm gonna do it. <laughs> it. Might take a while, but I'm gonna do it. Have you been surprised by any of these? Like, ooh, I really like this one. Yeah, I I mean, I the ones I've done so far, I know pretty darn well. Just because you know, when you start, when, at least when I start teaching them to students, you start with number one. You just kind of work through them. Uh, as you get going uh, in the middle, and and uh, you know, as you look ahead into the coming ones, um, they're lesser common, and so. Um, as of now, the ones I've recorded so far are pretty common to me, but I think some of the ones coming up, I definitely have to, uh, you know, find some reference recordings to make sure I'm, I'm doing it at the right speed. You know, there have been a few that I've started to, to play through and then I listen to it and I realize I'm way too slow or way too fast. A lot of times we play them way too quickly. Um, so I've been playing them relatively slow, uh, based mostly on what I've been hearing, you know, the, the different vocal, uh, recordings I've found of them, but, but so far, nothing too off the wall. I, I know a lot of the variation ones come at the end, uh, which definitely are a little bit more technically involved, but you know, I've got a little time. <laughs> I can practice for a now. little time. <laughs> yeah. So, but see, you've exactly. set an expectation, right? It's like, you know, everybody's chomping at the bit for Hokan to make the next Charlie A debut. And it's like, they're, they're waiting for yeah. you to make the next, the next Arvin. <laughs> debut. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I'm not... <laughs> yeah. But, Definitely I mean, ready for Hokans. Every but, every time his comes out, I'm I'm ready for it. <laughs> and on C trumpet, no less, right? Mostly, yeah. There have been some, you know, if it puts it in the key of D flat, I might choose to play it on B flat. But uh, C is definitely my happy place uh, versus B flat. But. You know, I, I definitely when I'm playing back and forth in person with students, I'll pull up my B flats just so they're not confused. Uh, or a lot of times I will stay on the C so they're not cheating by looking at valves and all of that. Right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> kind of mix it up. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, I don't want to forget uh, Marissa Benedict here <laughs> says hi, Jen. Is that somebody uh, you know? Oh, I love Marisa. She's great. Oh, hi, Marisa. I, I now I see the chat on here. Yeah. yeah. She's one of my really good friends. She's in. Uh, we're buddies in Los Angeles and she's moved uh, to Minnesota and has an awesome teaching job there. I miss her greatly. Thanks for joining Marisa. Yeah, Marisa. Thanks so much. 
Yeah. Um, I, I said Marissa. I apologize. Uh, and I have a of sister course. named Clarissa, so I should have gotten that, <laughs> gotten that right. So, well, you know, you didn't exactly have to start the Arbon thing to build your resume. You've already got a pretty nice <laughs> resume going. <laughs> well, thanks. It's been uh, a, a fun journey so far. Well, uh, should we go backwards or should we maybe start with uh, at the beginning? Which way would you like to, to go? I want to hear it all. Ooh, um, well, I can, I'm not good at backwards. I can start from the beginning. How about that? <laughs> That's perfect. Born at, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I grew up in Chicago and um, <laughs> I, I grew up in a really great band program. I had, um, it was Naperville, Illinois, and it had just a really awesome sort of wind ensemble band uh, program. And I had a really great band director. So early on, I had um, a really just great experience with uh, just playing, you know, as a group and with your ear and, and just really awesome uh, teaching from early on. So uh, I was really lucky to have that. And Past after that, I uh, ended up going to the Eastman School of Music. Um, started there for two years for my undergrad, and I uh, was studying with Barbara Butler. And uh, when they announced that they were transferring, I transferred with them to Northwestern. So I did two years at each. Graduated at Northwestern. Uh, after that, I got my master's degree at DePaul University, where I was studying with John Hagstrom, and uh, I played in the Chicago Civic Orchestra there. Uh, I did year, then I got a job in the Marine Band. So I jumped ship. I jumped, went across the country and I started my job with the President's Marine Band. And so I was there for four years and uh, I'm kind of going a, a quick, quick trip through. Um, I met my husband there. And so uh, he, my husband is Tom Hooten. He ended up winning Who? a job, uh, you know, <laughs> right. Hooten. <laughs> And so he won a job in the Indianapolis Symphony, which is where you are. Mm -hmm. And um, he uh, and I were separate for a while. And then I ended up uh, finishing my master's at DePaul because I had, you know, I really wanted to teach as well. So I thought the master's degree was a, a smart idea for that. Um, taught at Illinois State University as my sort of first college experience. Uh, as uh, Amy Gilreath was on a sabbatical, mm -hmm. so I filled in for her. And then... We moved to Atlanta. I taught at uh, first a lot. I played a lot with the Atlanta Opera, um, and then moved to LA. Got a job at University of Southern California uh, a couple years after we moved here, and um, then I've just been freelancing and raising kids and teaching at university and teaching private students and just sort of having a good time. <laughs> You you make that sound all so easy and fast, you know. I mean, it's like, well, that was a breeze, you know, just a yeah. hop, skip, and a jump from uh, yeah. Chicago to to L.A. Um, I've definitely freelanced and and you know started over in quite a few cities. So it's been, uh, you know, each one wasn't super quick. Some of them were quick, some of them were not. It's uh, you know each city is very different, and that was one thing to really learn along the way is how to navigate that and how to um, not step on toes, but also uh, assert yourself. It's kind of a fine balance and a different line in each city. Um, so that's been sort of uh, interesting. How did you feel the vibe was here in Indy? <laughs> Say that again. It cut. It cut oh, the vibe here in Indy. What? How'd you take the vibe? 
Oh my gosh. Well, I wasn't there that long, but um, one of my closest friends of all time is Jared Roden. Mm -hmm. And um, Jared, uh, I knew before I was there, we play in the Tetons together and we play in the Chicago music of the Baroque together uh, in every December. And so um, he right pretty quickly on, I started playing a lot of the, um, what's the studio? Airborne. Yes. So I was playing there a bit. Um, it was very like the, the trumpet section in the Indianapolis symphony was so nice. Just everybody was very kind and inviting. Um, it was just a very happy, uh, place. I thought at least, you know, and Tom loved it and he loved the section and he loved the people and, uh, it was very relaxed, but also, um, still serious. You know, it was a nice, a nice balance, very family, uh, oriented and, um, A small city, sorry, a big city, small city feel at the same time, kind of a mix. But, um, you know, freelance wise, I didn't dive in. I wasn't there long enough to dive in too much. Uh, you know, I know, I don't know how exactly how much there is there uh, because I didn't really have much time to do Not it. much right now. But, um, re- yeah. yeah, all right. Exactly. Right. Not much going on, huh? <laughs> no, I, I tell you, I've always enjoyed Indianapolis. I, I felt like it's been yeah. just, you know, it, this is not your cutthroat kind of city. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it, people yeah. really are. Uh, helpful to each other. You know, it's like if you yeah. can't get a gig, I know in the East Coast, I've heard people say, oh, they'll never refer anybody, yeah. you know, because, because, and that's sure. never been my experience here. Yeah, everybody's great. And Jared is one of the best. Oh, I love right? Jared. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> and, great. Uh, and a great sense of humor. <laughs> For sure. My favorite is we uh, both, every time we get together, we talk on our Chicago accents very heavily. Uh, it just seems to always come out right when we, we whenever we get together, we're so what's what does that sound like uh, <laughs> uh, hey there how you doing you guys we're gonna go to the other restaurant that's my chicago <laughs> i definitely have south side of chicago family so that's very easy to break into that when i'm not careful <laughs> so i'm curious you know you you say you wanted to teach you knew uh, at, yeah. at some point but when did that occur to you? Because, you know, when you're studying with somebody like Barbara Butler, you know, yeah. you might think you're really focused on that orchestral career. I I think because of my upbringing in, um, in Chicago, they had really cool programs where some of the high school students would teach some of the middle school students. Uh, so from very early on, uh, I got really comfortable talking and trying to help people. And I realized how much I really loved that. You know, I loved the one-on-one. Um, early on, I thought maybe I wanted to be a band director because I liked that. Uh, and then, you know, the first was kind of in front of a crowd of trumpeters. I remember thinking, maybe not the group. I like the one-on-one a lot better. Um, and, and, you know, and I love doing, you know, group trumpet stuff now these days, but, uh, but, you know, I think the, the one-on-one, I just loved sort of that, um, just the, collaborative uh, work. And, and so early on, I knew I wanted to do some sort of teaching. So when I got into the Marine band, uh, I started up a, a private studio on the side and mm-hmm. I probably had I don't know, 10 students a week or so. Um, and, and I loved that. I, I, and I, I think from then on, I always knew I would teach in some sort of form. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I moved to Atlanta, we lived in the Mecca of just band County. <laughs> we lived in Marietta, Georgia, which there's so many high schools, probably 10 really good high schools, all within a 30 mile radius. And, and, uh, you couldn't have enough students if you lived there because there weren't enough trumpet players to teach all those kids. And so I had a waiting list of students and, um, and I had really great students. And, and 
I don't mean great, you know, necessarily players. I just had great students, great kids. And my favorite is just seeing them improve and learn how to grow on the trumpet, whether they use it on trumpet or not. And I, I, I loved seeing, you know, these students go into to become doctors or become engineers, but the skills that they learned in our lessons that they could transfer to whatever they, they did. So that's, you know, I think with this urban thing, um, that's sort of where it stemmed from is, is just, you know, I love, I love that. So in Atlanta, I taught a bunch. I had so many students. I was before I had children. So I was just loading my schedule up and, uh, taught at the universities as well. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, is there an age that you really feel like you, you identify better with? I mean, are you good with a beginner or you enjoy the college level or all of it? You know, I kind of love all of it. I'd say if I had to choose, um, I have two favorite ages. I love, I love students that are, are um, you know, the students I teach at USC. I love that age. I love the um, sort of development and the, um, they've come a certain way and they're trying to fine tune it to, to get into, you know, sort of the real world. Um, but I also really love young students. I love the beginners. I love the middle school kids. I think my very, very favorite age to teach is probably beginner to middle school and the one-on-one. Mm -hmm. -on -one. I like trying to take complicated um, concepts and say them in an easy uh, to understand way. And I also, I really enjoy um, assessing each student as an individual and figuring out how I can help them to improve rather than just having a set sort of, you know, I use this method in this book and um, I don't, I don't do urban with everybody. I, you know, I, I will switch it depending on the student and, and sort of uh, piece it together that way. But I, but I love the beginners, the, the, just their energy and the excitement they bring. And help, like I said, trying to help them learn how to focus and, and sit in a room and, and, try and improve and teach them how to teach themselves. That's just, that really excites me. I, I've got a beginner. Uh, he's maybe had four mm -hmm. lessons with me so far, but he nice. saw a video of Dizzy Gillespie. Nice. So he <laughs> thinks that you have to puff your cheeks out. And I tell you, it's, it's, he has no embouchure at the, at the moment, you know, cause I keep telling him, you know, this is, <laughs> you, <laughs> we're working on it, but you know, I mean, it's great to aspire to be like Dizzy. Yeah. But, but you know, so we've we've got some we've got some ground to make up there. But uh, sure. bless his heart for you know uh, what is it? A fifth grader? What is that? Uh, 10, 10, 11 years yeah. old, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for wanting to do that, but that's very cute. Um, so uh, I'll throw this out there too. I just am. I just finished book one for Suzuki, but I'm taking book two trumpet cool. training. Cool. So you know, we're looking at starting with four and five year olds. Can you imagine? doing that starting and I can, cause uh, you know, I've observed it. <laughs> it works. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Sorry. Cut out for one second. I missed, I missed what you uh, just, oh, said just you second. know, that working with four and five year olds works. You know, a lot of people think wow, that, that's, you know, the yeah. uh, teeth, the embouchure, that whole thing that, but yeah. you know, use a pocket trumpet and uh, I love that. it all works. It all works. That's, I love this. My son actually started on Suzuki piano. So I love the whole concept of it. It's great. Mm -hmm. It's really I, cool. Is he still going? 
He is, you know, he switched from Suzuki since after his first book. Um, it was more of a teacher switch, uh, like move. So we we kind of went a little bit more into the traditional. But he went through the whole book, uh, you know, one, and um, and got uh, really has just it really his ear it improved his ear so much. And so now you know he's learning to read, and he's got to keep his reading up with his ear, um, just because his hands are finding all these. because sound cool and, uh, and he's only eight he just turned eight but um, but yeah i love the suzuki program I, th I thought it was really really awesome um that's your eight-year-old right yeah and what you what about your four-year-old is she into music yet well we were just starting the suzuki program but the teacher left and and finding a suzuki a piano teacher in LA has been very difficult actually and then pandemic hit and so uh we just sort of are putting tabling it right now. Uh, there is no piano Suzuki teacher anywhere within 40 miles of us. So um, we have a really great, just, you know, traditional piano teacher uh, really close to us. So we might start her there in, in the meantime, but she, um, <laughs> my daughter's another, uh, another whole topic, but she's, she's definitely got some sort of performer and she's actually <laughs> going to be in a TV show in a couple of days. Um, I know for, uh, well, she's going to be, uh, filming it in a TV show in a couple days. So, well, how cool Stay is that? Tuned and some ghost adventures. Uh, Halloween special comes out. She'll be in it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. It's kind of a new, yeah. Um, okay, so this this just popped into my head. What's it like having two trumpet players practice in the same house? <laughs> obnoxious no I'm, just <laughs> no I'm not really kidding no actually we um for our sanity we had to have um well okay so we moved into this house uh, about five years ago and we said okay this the room i'm in right now will be our office um it's technically a bedroom we turned it into an office um and then we we realized within a few weeks that that wasn't going to work to share an office because we want to do things at the same time. If we want to practice at night, uh, we either have to rotate and we'll never see each other or, um, you know, we just are always trading off or trying to work out teaching and all that. So uh, we had in our sort of downstairs area, there's this little area, we had a, a room built in, which is where Tom's is now it's this little cave and uh it's soundproof so if we you know we can play there until however late but uh so we don't actually hear each other playing a ton during the days and and uh you know the kids rooms are uh, double doors so they can sleep and not be annoyed when we're when we're practicing um but it's loud for sure <laughs> well yeah i'm thinking you know it's it's not like he's only playing uh, you know, Conconi or, or the Arvin's stuff. I mean, you guys are both yeah. working on orchestral rep as well. Definitely. Definitely. And I'd say in a normal life, he's actually not here a lot playing. He's, he would might be practicing at work or, mm. you know, he'd get there and warm up and get to a concert. Or if he has, has two rehearsals, he might practice there between. Um, so in normal world, we're not always playing here all the time. Uh, but definitely, you know, in, in his little cave, you can, if you're really quiet, you can hear it very distantly. Um, so he can play it all out and it's fine because it has a door about this thick. Hmm. So what's, yeah. uh, what's the state of the LA Phil at the moment? They're doing great, actually. Surprisingly, um, 
there they were able to pay musicians a you know a, a smaller rated <laughs> uh, salary but they were able to maintain uh some support of the musicians and so they've been really great i i think in this whole situation um and they're opening up the hollywood bowl this summer so they are uh starting up in a couple weeks they've had a few random things but um it's not been to live audiences actually i think they may just have had Oh, their first live thing a couple of weeks ago, but, um, but this summer they're opening up the Hollywood bowl and they're going back. So it's, you know, knock on wood, all going to be okay. <laughs> but Ellie Phil has been really, uh, you know, we're super grateful to that organization. Tom's really grateful for, you know, for all of that. We had, uh, I play with a few regional orchestras around here in Owensboro, mm -hmm. Kentucky. We had a concert last weekend. I bet yeah. outside concert, you know, and uh, I bet 5,000 people showed up for this. Really? I mean, wow. this uh, people are hungry, right, to get yeah, back they, to totally. a live music experience. For sure. Definitely. We're all ready yeah. for it. <laughs> That's great. I'm actually so, playing my first live concerts will be in July. Uh, I'm doing the Grand Teton Music Festival for five weeks this summer. Mm -hmm. And so um, it will be, it's kind of interesting imagining playing suddenly just jumping into this hard rep, you know, Peter Grimes and stuff uh, without playing with humans uh, for so long. So but I'm excited. It, it is different. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, in yeah. fact, uh, I had an assistant this past concert and he's like, man, this is so different than playing in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause For you sure. gotta, you forget how much sound you have to put out and yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to replicate that in your little office here, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So how many years have you done the uh, Grand Teton festival? I think this will be my 15th summer doing it. Wow. And yeah, it's been a, a great, a great tradition. It's a, it's a really just amazing group of musicians and people. And uh, I, I love being there every summer, you know, you see the same people and then you see their children growing up together. And, um, and it's kind of a rotational crew each week, but it's the same rotational crew as you know, mm -hmm. from year to year mostly. And so uh, it's, it's a great orchestra. I think it's just filled with with great musicians who are just great people to work with. And so the energy of that orchestra is just so uh, unlike anything I usually uh, am part of. And it's just so, uh, you know, I don't know, it's just like a, an, another experience. Everybody's just really listening to each other and working together. And it's just very uh, supportive and, and yeah, I love it. How do you decide who plays what? Um, they have a, you know, it's kind of, they're, they bring in some principles to play. Um, I'm pretty much, because they've had uh, before, Barbara and Charlie have, have always been playing. Uh, they've been doing Music Academy of the West some more. So they're, they're some few weeks, you know, as, uh, as they have in the past. But typically they'll have some people set as their principles. So mm -hmm. typical principles for uh, Grand Teton Festival would be uh, Mark Inouye, Barbara uh, and Charlie. Um, Tom has played uh, as well. Um, Russell Campbell from Dallas, um, Chris Martin. Uh, those are so, sort of the rotated principles. And then Charlie Duvall, most of the time is second trumpet. He's He's been coming for many years. Uh, and I've been just for the last 15 years, essentially uh, kind of the next the next one. So it depends on what rep is. And uh, thankfully a lot of, a lot of rep <laughs> this summer needs that many trumpets. Uh, and then there's, you know, another rotation of, of people that, that maybe have jobs in the summers that maybe 
but it's pretty much assigned by the music director, uh, Donald Runicles and, uh, and the personnel manager. But it's, if I'm playing, I kind of know what, you know, I can sort of guess what I'm going to be playing. <laughs> but what a great hang, right? I mean, the playing oh. is, is probably wonderful, but just being around that group has got to be a blast. Definitely. It's so much fun. Yeah. I've got so many, so many close friends sitting right behind Gail Williams every week mm. uh, is just like the happy place. She just sounds like a million bucks every time, every summer. I'm like, how does she sound like this? I mean, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> okay. So give us the lowdown. Give us some really juicy stories. No, I'm mm. kidding. I, I don't, I don't I, Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I have any, <laughs> not from yeah. there. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure nothing, nothing questionable ever happens around and anything the, like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know what, going back to Jared, I remember uh, he would play a job here in Indianapolis and he'd say, yeah. I'm, I'm headed out there. He would get in his car yeah. and then, you yeah. know, he would say, I only got two tickets on the way, you know, two yeah. speeding. He said, you, I forget how many hours to get there, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. uh, he doesn't drive slowly to get out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He definitely, but, he, he always takes his car. It's a long hike. Yeah. Um, oh, so hiking, right? I mean, do you do you get a chance oh, yeah. to to actually get out and enjoy the definitely the park? for sure. It's it's really close to the Grand Teton National Park, and if uh, you know if I have some days off, I'll try and get up to Yellowstone as well, which I plan to do this year. Um, definitely hiking. You know, in the past, I've done giant crazy hard hikes. Um, you know, with a, when I, now life is a little different when you bring a four and eight year old. Um, I, some, I have hired a babysitter so I can go on a really tough hike. Um, and then I take them on, you know, more kid friendly hikes, but definitely it's, we're always outside. There's bike paths right there and, uh, we're active. It's, it's very fun. I can't wait to be there this summer since we couldn't last year. Um, do you camp or hike close to where you are out in LA? Did I lose you? Say that again. Uh, do you of... camp or hike <laughs> yeah. where you are out in LA? Um, you know, we haven't done camping much. Um, definitely hike. We live um, right next to some trails. So definitely you can walk out of our door and go on a on some nice day hikes. Um, camping, we haven't done as much. I think, you know, with little ones, I think they're now at the age where maybe we could do that. Uh, the when when we moved to Los Angeles, uh, maybe TMI, uh, two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. And so um, pretty much from as soon as we got here, I was, you know, gearing up to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And then we had our daughter um, a couple of years after that. And then um, so we haven't been able to be quite as adventurous. Uh, but I think now that she's four, we could probably manage that. Camping would be really fun. That would mm -hmm. be great. I didn't realize how close you were to, uh, I was talking to Wayne Bergeron the other day. He was telling me, you know, he and Barb were up, uh, whatever mountains are close by, you know? Yeah, for uh, sure. Trying to think where he, where he told me, but, uh, he may not want me to There's tell one. that. Sorry about that. Wayne. <laughs> um, Wayne, yeah. Wayne's awesome. Yeah. yeah there, no, there's a lot of places around here. It's, I mean, that's one, one thing I love about LA. Uh, a lot of people when we lived in Atlanta were like, really, you're going to move to Los Angeles. And, um, I love it. I think it's a great city. It's just, it's beautiful weather. It's just a, a nice, even though it's a busy, big city, uh, it's, it's still a relaxed vibe. And uh, I really like it here. Chicago, <laughs> Dallas, um, well, Washington, DC, yeah, Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, Indianapolis doesn't even come close really, but I mean, you have, <laughs> you're, you're living in some major metropolitan areas. 
you, yep. you like the big city, I take it. I think so. I guess, you know, as musicians, it's like uh, hard to end up in a small city. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I do love Chicago will always be my home, but, um, but I don't miss the weather for mm -hmm. sure. Uh, and <laughs> I'm sure you, you get plenty of that uh, experience. I'm, I'm sure every time I come back, I think I've, because of Atlanta and then LA, uh, I I've totally uh, <laughs> become a baby with weather. And when I go back, I think, Oh my gosh, I've forgotten how crazy cold this is right on the lake in Chicago. It's just, a, it's intense, but, um, but yeah, definitely. I, I enjoyed the big city thing. I, you know, I, I enjoyed the time in the Tetons when it's quiet and slower moving, but, uh, but I, I, I like the, the pace of, of a big city. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm reminded I don't complain when I talk to anybody from Minneapolis, right? It's like, yeah, you you know, we don't know what our true winter is. But, totally. Yeah, know. for sure. Yeah, I think so. it's really funny when you when it's starting to drizzle here or it's, you know, maybe 50 and you see people in their winter coats and they they have big boots on. You're like, "Are you crazy people?" <laughs> like um, I I'm curious about your time in uh in the president's own um, yeah. well, first of all, were you, had you ever really considered a service band or was this an opportunity? How'd that come about and, and why'd you do it? Yeah. You know, I thought that was always a possibility for me. I, growing up in a really strong band community, uh, I, I loved playing in wind ensembles and, um, and every time I heard recordings of, of the presidents, and that was my 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 goal was that band, that specific band. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't I had never auditioned for any of the other branches, but I was pretty young, so I hadn't actually taken that many auditions, anyways. But um, when that job opened, uh, I I was actually staying at Barbara and Charlie's house because they were in the Tetons. This was when I was a grad student. Mm -hmm. And all I did was take care of their horses and their house and their cats and dogs and, uh, and practice. So I just mm -hmm. stayed there and I was playing practicing this. So it was a, a good time to just focus on that. And then when I took it and I got the job, um, I knew I wanted to do it. So I just, you know, said, okay, I'm, that's kind of why I'm in school is to get this a job like this. Mm -hmm. So I started it and I loved my experience there. It was, uh, it was a little intense because I enlisted in, uh, September, uh, of 2001 and it was five days before September 11th happened when I enlisted in the Marine wow. Corps. So it was a little intense, but, um, you know, it was a non-deployable band. So it, there was no worry there, but, uh, you know, driving up into DC to see the Pentagon just, you know, in a really rough state. Uh, it was a little interesting, but, uh, but in general, my time in the band was just amazing. I, I made so many close friends and the, um, the friendships and the sort of collegiate, um, and kind atmosphere amongst the musicians is really hard to replicate. But there's um, a lot of rough jobs that you do, a lot of amazing jobs, and and there's sort of this atmosphere of no matter what the job is, you're all just kind of in it together, and um, and it was always just very uh, awesome. I loved I loved it, and I'm still close friends with a lot of those people. Um, and I know this may sound cliche, but thank you for your service. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and and I mean that. You know, I I served. I was in the Air Force, uh, and actually I, I was stationed at the Pentagon. Wow. Um, but this was 10 years, 11 years before. Wow. Um, and I remember watching, you know, the, the news. I knew, wow. I remember exactly where my office was. Oh, man. You know, and thinking, 
well, you know, I missed it by 10 years, 11 years, but uh, that's still, that's, it's that's still close. right. Because you were there, you knew, yeah. uh, you knew things about that, but yeah. Well, thank uh, you for your service. Oh, well, thank you. You know, yeah. it's uh, Lee Greenwood was our, our guest artist last weekend. Uh, you know, God bless the USA guy. And uh, yeah. I went up and talked to him after rehearsal. And first thing he said to me, I was wearing a veteran's cap. And, you know, first thing he said mm -hmm. was, and it, you know, was genuine coming from him. And I was like, man, I hadn't heard that in a long time. But because um, yeah. I've been sure. out, I've been out for 31 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was really young when I went in, you know, I was only two. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. yeah. The, the math. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's hard to think I'd, you know, my gosh, had I stayed in, I, I could have been well retired by now. Yeah. Yeah. It's I could have just retired. Well, almost not quite. Uh, definitely. It's like, uh, and it's amazing seeing friends that are in their forties retiring and then doing entire new, you know, jobs and careers. It's really, uh, it's a, a great thing. Well, that's what my dad did. 24 years in the air force. He retired wow. when he was 42. Wow. You know, my, my oldest son is, he just hit his 10 year mark in the army and he's, he's looking at, you know, only another 10 before he's, he'll be 42 yeah. when he gets out. I'm thinking, there you go. Good for wow. you, kiddo. You know, he's going to definitely. So, um, it's incredible. Yeah. You know, I, of course I, I grew up in that, right. So service was kind yeah. of expected. Sure. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I did it. You know, I can't say that, yeah. uh, you know, it was for everybody, but I'm sure glad I did it. Um, for sure. And, and I, I was supposed to go into the band, but this was a this is a great recruiter story, which I won't I won't share right now. But let's just say uh, the recruiter met his quota that month. Ah, uh, you see, gotcha. Yeah. So you yeah. didn't go into the band. No. I, I, actually, I did audition, uh, yeah. and uh, it was right before a drawdown uh, for Desert e Desert Eagle. This was ninety eighty nine oh. or ninety. I can't remember. Yeah. And. Uh, Anyways, they froze all the transfers, so I didn't. I was, mm. you know, on one side of the Potomac, and I couldn't couldn't make it to the other side, unfortunately. Yeah. So, wow. um, oh, there we go. Glitch. Yeah, I know it's been kind of glitchy tonight. Um, it's a little glitchy. Yeah. yeah, I I keep looking at my Wi-Fi. My Wi-Fi looks good here, but I apologize for no that. No worries. But, no worries. Um. Yeah, but you know this has happened before. But what it turns out is everybody says they don't notice anything. So oh, we just notice it. Nobody it's, else. <laughs> it's maybe just us. I hope they'll that's just the see case. us be a little awkward for a second. <laughs> right. Right. So well, it's I'm really good at being awkward all the time. So you know, <laughs> Sorry, me too. if I if I can blame it on Wi-Fi, that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So, I'll blame that too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So four years there. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so Tom is taking auditions. Are you thinking, okay, I'm just going to let him focus on that and you're <laughs> going to focus on, because what if you had both won uh, separate orchestras? Good job. Uh, yeah. Well, we, we sort of early on, have a joke understanding that whoever won the bigger gig, the other would go. And so when he was, I was really happy in the Marine Band. I loved the Marine Band. I was enjoying my experience a lot. Um, and so I wasn't itching to audition at all. Um, for anyone that knows Tom knows, uh, you know, he's always ready for the next <laughs> challenge whatever it may be. Um, and so he was actively taking auditions in the Marine Band. 
although he loved the Marine Man too. Don't get me wrong. He, he actually really, really loved it there too. Um, but he, uh, when we were in, so I got in a year after he did. Uh, and so he had less time left and toward the end of his time in the band, he had, uh, decided that he was just going to, uh, freelance and, and audition. And so he had, uh, told them, you know, you can re-up for two years or four years. He had said, okay, I'm, I, you know, thank you, but I'm going to do this. And I was going to be the breadwinner. <laughs> uh, he ended up, leaving. Uh, he won the Indianapolis job. And so mm -hmm. uh, he moved while I was still in the band. So we were separate for that year. Uh, and at that point I, I had a hard choice, you know, it was either going to be separate. Um, but then when Amy Gilreath asked me about the sabbatical, which was close enough to Indy that I could kind of go back and forth. Um, and at the same time, I asked John Hagstrom, you know, can I come back and finish this degree? Uh, it seemed to, to work out really well together. And so it just seemed like things aligned too well for me to, to not do it. So uh, I, and at that point in my, and this is a whole new topic, but uh, I knew at the end of my Marine band, actually I knew through, throughout the whole thing, but I knew I needed to fix my face, my embouchure. Uh, it was, I was not playing in the most efficient setup. And I got to a point where I knew it was either going to be, this is where I'm at with a few areas in my playing, or I got a When I back to study, said, okay, I'm going to tackle this. This is the time I'm out of my job. Um, I'm, you know, teaching and I had sort of a lull in my, <laughs> my gigging. And so, um, I kind of tackled it while I was teaching at Illinois state and finishing my master's and changing my embouchure. It was a little bit of a crazy time, uh, a good time, but also tough at the same time. And, um, and so that was, uh, kind of all at once. And then after that, we moved to Atlanta and I was on this really new unstable embouchure. <laughs> and so I was trying to, you know, establish myself as a freelancer, but also not push it too much because I wasn't totally comfortable, but, but I, I got there. It took some time and, um, I worked through it and I can, you know, I can play some of those things now. <laughs> well, can I ask what, what was it you were trying to fix? You mentioned, you mentioned deficiency, but what, yeah. Was it position or? It was, um, so, you know, I can do some things well, but I do not probably efficient way. Um, and so the things that I needed really to, to, uh, improve on was my, uh, range and my endurance. And the, the reason was because I was playing really, I essentially had a major French horn embouchure. Mm. I was playing really high. I was playing with a lot of upper lip, um, not enough lower lip. It, I was smiling. Everything was super thin. So I could pick stuff off pretty easily. I could play really comfortably soft and low and soft and high. Um, and I won the Marine band that way. So it, it took me up to a point, but the thing was, you know, I would get to a point playing where I felt like I had to take it off my face for a second because I was basically pinning it in, in a position. Um, and I knew that I couldn't, and, you know, through John's guidance too, because I was definitely the Chicago sort of hear it and play kind of <laughs> upbringing. Um, and so I was hearing it and I was not able to play it. <laughs> it's like, just hear it and blow. It's like, I'm doing that and it's not working. So I knew I So the process sucked for a while, but um, 
but it really helped me to, to teach. I, I really found um, that I was able to now understand when students were going through top things where they felt like they weren't on a comfortable face or they felt like something was different or new uh, because I had gone through it. And so, uh, you know, I learned a lot of what not to do in that process. I think it took me longer than it really should have taken because uh, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just sort of figuring it out as I went. And uh, and John set me up well, but then I was on my own. It's like, and it felt like every time I put it to my mouth, it was like, this it's like I'm writing with my other hand like this feels weird like I know what I'm doing but it doesn't feel right um so I think I you know it really helped me to just understand uh habit and repetition and and I didn't do all those things well at first but I kind of once I finally got into that then my improvement got you know I can oh I think you froze up again I can oh, understand this I can understand you doing this if you were only a student, but if you're trying to teach and gig at the same time, I mean, yeah. it, well, and, and of course yeah. we had a little bit of a discussion before we started the, the interview tonight, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm kind of going through the same thing where it's like you're trying to rediscover, uh, you know, and so you do exactly, well, I'm trying to muscle my way through. Yep. Some things, right? It sounds like what yeah. you're talking to about. Definitely. Too. Well, it's like if it's not efficient, then that's the only way it's going to work is by pin, pinning it or pinching it or muscling it or doing it in, in, uh, not inorganically, I guess is the word I'm looking for, but yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, how long of a process was that? Oof. Well, I, when I started it, I kind of, and this is now what I would not recommend to someone. Uh, I kind of did it in pieces and I think going full cold Turkey probably would have mm -hmm. been the better way. Um, you know, the first thing I did to not pull back smile and do a little bit more of a forward approach. And, but what I quickly realized is this is again, another whole topic um, that my teeth weren't in a position for me to be able to do that. My, my, I have a narrow mouth. And so to pull your corners forward when there's no teeth behind them to, to mm -hmm. brace against, I, I realized like that's not going to work in the position I was in. So then I had to pull it down. Um, and so I kind of did, I think over the course of a year, I finally got to where I wanted to be, but I wasn't good at it yet. <laughs> and so um, I remember a specific gig. I'll never forget. I was playing in Atlanta and I was in the right embouchure for me, um, but it didn't feel like home yet. And um, there it was just a really easy, simple church gig I was playing. And I was playing second trumpet and it had just a soft exposed entrance, something that before was super comfortable for me. You know, that was a happy place. And, but I felt like the only way I can get to respond is by blowing a lot of air. <laughs> Uh, on this new embouchure and I was having a panic trying to figure out how am I going to come in on this soft note in a new foreign face and so I quickly realized like no the way I'm I was training myself was to um to on this new face to hold my breath and so I was uh, uh and but the problem is I had built that into my new embouchure so then I had to go back it's like okay I'm just gonna play play over and over again, no matter what comes out, I've got to train my embouchure and my body that when you breathe in, you let it out. <laughs> you don't hold it. Okay. Anyway, so it was kind of a, a many month, uh, a many, probably two years before wow. I felt like I get to this gig, they put the music in front of me, it's fine. And, uh, you know, I, I remember playing at an IWBC uh, conference one in the middle of that. And this group, the Monarch Brass uh, is 
it's a group that now together we IWBC and um, and I was a mess. I was trying. I was telling my friend Ginger Turner. I love her. Uh, she's in the Army Field Band for a long time. She re retired and and they were doing part assignments and I was telling like this is a really tough brass concert. I'm super stressed out. I don't know if I can do this and you know I was trying not to to make people think I was having chop problems because in my brain. I knew I was on a path and I knew I was going to get there because I'm stubborn, <laughs> uh, but I wasn't there yet. And so um, I, I had to, at that point, I realized I have to stop putting myself in stressful situations because now I'm ingraining this sort of um, stress in there as well and, and performance anxiety. So I stopped taking Ooh, you there? There you go. Yep. Um, I stopped taking uh, tough gigs and I just worked hard. And, you know, I would take things that I knew I could do with, you know, relative low stress. And my I think it helped a lot. And it was hard to, to do that, but it's what I needed to do. Two years. <laughs> I mean, that's hard to imagine. Yeah. I mean, you know, for a trumpet player, right? I mean, we want things and we want it now. Definitely. Right? And we well, are, and we are not, say, <laughs> we're not patient well, I would people. Say with two, definitely. Well, and, and, I, and I think it took me probably a year to feel like I know what I'm doing. I'm in the right place. And then another year for me to just constantly retrain that. So I felt like it was home again. Um, you know, I felt like after a year I could do stuff. It just didn't feel, I had to think about it, you know, like, am I doing this correctly? Make sure I have this. Um, and it, so I'd say another year where I felt like it just kind of became my, my normal way of playing again. Was this a Schlossberg and a flexibilities kind of focus or Conconi or mm -hmm. Bordoni? I mean, what, what kind of materials were you using to, to get through this? Um, person helped me a ton was Vince DiMartino. Yeah. Um, I, I did some of his lead pipe stuff. He really helped me because my air was just too slow. Everything I was doing was a little bit too open, a little bit too slow. Uh, I was using too much air, but not fast enough air. And so I did a lot of his lead pipe stuff that helps me sort of uh, learn how to access the horn from a, a higher position uh, instead of constantly stretching or letting go. And, and so that helped me sort of retrain it. Um, I don't think I use specific material, but I tried to use that approach in all of those other things. And I, I then, once I felt like I was in a better place, then I took the Barbara Butler method of, of layering all your practicing, you know, practicing your lip slurs, practicing your double tongue, practicing your triple tongue, practice your excerpts and, and trying to make sure that on all of those things, I was keeping those in balance while making sure my fast lead pipe error that Vince was helping me with was present in all of those things because it's really easy to play low Clark's with super tubby slow air um, but could I play it with a fast airstream in the low register uh, I just had never done that before and so um, that sort of connection helped my endurance it helped my range uh, I could play you know probably almost an octave higher on piccolo than I'd ever been able to play <laughs> uh, I didn't have much control but I was learning how to at least access it when mm -hmm. before it was like I would hit you know go for the f on the piccolo and I and then I was done like I couldn't go any higher I was stuck mm -hmm. um, whereas before I'm like oh my god I'm hitting a's and like I can hit you know all these notes and and I could last longer because I'm not pinching it and, and squeezing it so mm -hmm. anyway that was my my long fun process <laughs> I, I remember the first time Vinny uh was demonstrating the lead pipe thing and you know and, and like g on top of the staff 
yeah. is, is home base. It's home, exactly. Right, yep. It, and yep. it's like, wait a second, you know, well, wait a minute. It's it's so arbitrary that we choose second line G, right? Yeah. So right. why not? I mean, if you're going to go say right. that, why not high C? Yeah, uh, you know, very true. Yep, you can totally do that. And I think what I loved was his. You know, he'd be in a in a lesson with him, and he would just tap you with a pencil. And anytime he did that, you had to whip up to that G. And if you had to like ramp up your airspeed to get up to it, you knew, oh man, I've been I've been letting it too too loose. It actually has helped me uh, a lot with when I start students. Uh, it really changed my way of thinking uh, because I think that teachers, you know, band directors, like use these books that are sort of geared for an entire band. Um, but it always starts trumpeters on a low C. You know, I, I noticed that like, it's easy, anyone can play a low C without any sort of effort. Um, and so I've definitely been starting students higher. And it's a little more tough at first, but once they kind of get there, then their their home base is sort of place so yeah it's also revamped so i think this whole embouchure thing has been very good it just was tough <laughs> did you have to change equipment through all this like were you playing on a, a one yep. and then now I, you're on a three yep. or a five kind of move definitely i was playing on really big equipment uh, because my embouchure was essentially french horning inside <laughs> it was coming inside the uh, mouthpiece and so i was like uh, falling and I was kind of like doing one of these versus a little bit more of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was playing on, I think it was about a, it was a B cup way too big for me. And I'm, I'm not huge. I'm like five, two and, you know, kind of small. And so, uh, it was too big. I was playing on, on big, uh, piccolo equipment because I would bottom out on these mouthpieces. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what John actually had me do was to take a seven E mouthpiece for my pick and, uh, stock through piece on my, on my C and B flat and not play anything else. And I could hardly do it. I, I was hitting the bottom on the pick, um, my three C and now I play mostly on a three ish, uh, you know, range for my normal mouthpiece, but it, it was, it was weird. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the journey I'm taking right now is to try to really? a, a much, uh, well, some people don't say shallow, they say compact, you know, but <laughs> sure. yeah. it, it's shallow. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I, I have a three E that, oh. I actually enjoy playing on right now because it makes it makes it easy. It's not the sound. It's not the sound I want right now. But you yeah, know, yeah. Um, but it works on the focus and uh, on the the set, so you're not too open. And yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny, you know, the older I get, the less uh, macho I try to be. You know, I could yeah. play on a one B, right? But now it's like, <laughs> why? why do I want to? Why do I want to work that hard? Exactly. Why? What, the, who? Are, who's checking your number anyway? Yeah. Right. Piece, really <laughs> well it's like you know we imagine everybody's sitting out in the audience with a score you know uh, <laughs> checking the score while we're playing it's that doesn't happen right that doesn't happen exactly they don't know that we're playing on a 1b or a 3c nobody cares <laughs> right right yeah uh what were you gonna say i was gonna to go with that smaller mouthpiece thing i remember uh john calling it the spotter mouthpiece and so i would actually practice on a super small pea shooter mouthpiece maybe just a couple minutes a day to try and and keep working on that focus and i you know and i'm talking super shallow like jazz you know i couldn't literally get no note on on that uh at, when i started because it was just my mouth want my face wanted to fall in so much mm -hmm. um but it did help me just understand 
you know, how sort of a, it's, it's easy to hear things and see things in other people, but when it's on yourself, it's tough, I find, uh, to really have a good perspective of what you're doing. And I, you know, I and how daily coaches and people helping them, you know, divers with their coach right there mm. and why there's the stigma with triple players that we don't need help. I'm going to do it myself. And I think that's just ridiculous. So I was an adult getting lessons with Vince and I had no shame. It's like, well, I'm either going to get help and figure it out or I'm just going to quit. <laughs> so I don't care. Well, and it's Vince, right? I mean, if anybody's going to help, I mean, yep. Vinny's, Vinny's the best. <laughs> oh, he is the best. I love him. He's great. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, uh, he was my first teacher. I don't know how many times oh, I've told nice. people, you know, this, but of course everybody knows it, but, yeah. um, I just think the world of him. And, uh, in fact, I texted him, uh, about, oh. about some of my, my issues and, yeah. uh, you know, it's, Vinny's just one of these great resources, kind of like, Yep. No nonsense, no panic. And yep. okay, you know, let's talk about it. Let's do this. Let's try this. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's funny. I'm just thinking, you know, you're right. When you're older, there's less <laughs> of that fear about reaching yeah. out about things. Yep. And and like I, I may, may have said this earlier, it was like, you know, the pride doesn't get in the way. Exactly. Uh, and it shouldn't get in the way. But, you know, yep. um, yeah. when you're young and you don't want to let, anybody know there's an issue and you want to get every gig, you take yeah. every gig, whether you can play it or not. <laughs> definitely. Exactly. It's definitely, um, you know, I think it's, it's hard because you don't want people to think or judge that you might be going through something or you know, it might affect your hiring or any of that. But, but I don't know of hardly any players that haven't gone through something, you know, and they could have maybe gone through it quicker or easier if they had some support and help. So I'm all for that. Well, and you even mentioned this a few minutes ago. I mean, this helps <laughs> you become a better teacher because yeah. now you can empathize with somebody who comes through your studio and you can say, been there, done that. Here's the, yep, here's the t-shirt, sure. right? You know, <laughs> then they're done. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, it, and it, I think it helps not, uh, not only just help teach them, but to just understand when it's hard and, the, and it, it feels like they're playing on a foreign embouchure or, uh, you know, they just feel stuck, you know, to, that I've been there and mm -hmm. a lot of us have been there. So. Mm -hmm. uh, aside from Arbens, what, uh, yeah. what are you focusing on right now? Um, I think in general, just keeping, uh, my, my playing balanced when not having much of an outlet for performing and, uh, knowing that these things are starting to open up and, you know, aside from the Tetons that hopefully in the fall, things will be ramping up again in LA and elsewhere. Uh, so I'm working on just trying to balance everything, making sure that I'm still, you know, I have this, uh, ridiculous chart that keeps me sort of in, in check with Make, I haven't forgotten to play piccolo in three months or uh, forgotten to double tongue or whatever. So um, I'm just trying to keep it balanced. And, you know, I've been playing more fun etudes and, and solos just uh, on the side. Just, you know, it's like, oh, my student's working on this. I'm going to work on this for two weeks and just feel like, you know, I, I know the piece so I can demonstrate. And um, yeah, so I've been, <clears throat> I think Arbin is sort of my project and then trying to keep balanced and uh, find uh, efficient ways to practice when having, you know, my four-year-old's home 24 seven 
it's uh, we've finally been able to get some more child care here and there but for you know a year plus we had pretty much nobody helping so you know tom and i were rotating he would teach i would be with the kids doing school then we would flip and i would do that and then then he'd go take an hour to practice i'd go take an hour to practice and then you put him to bed and you're like i gotta practice more i've got to do my urban it's midnight it's like oh my gosh <laughs> let's do it again tomorrow <laughs> so uh it's been it like just doing what I can make sure I'm staying in shape with my horn and, and doing this project and keeping my kids, you know, alive and schooled. <laughs> um, duets. Do you guys ever play duets? Yeah, we do. Um, it depends. We have, you know, like during the pandemic, we've done it more. Um, but still, you'd be you'd be surprised, like how many times, like a weeks weeks will go by and we haven't. We're like, why? What are we doing? Why are we not doing this? Yeah, but um, I'm asking because I think the natural yeah. progression here, once you finish the the 150 part ah. of phrasing, is for you guys to record hey, that's the entire idea. series of duets from there. We, we haven't talked about that. That's a good plan. We should do that. Yeah. So since I brought it up, I get a cut. All right, sounds good. <laughs> a cut of the zero dollars. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. Do you think it would be better to play the duets together or minus one part so people could play along? Do people even want to hear duets? Of yes. The... Yes. I, I think yes. Right. And, and, you know, I okay. think, of course, you know, make it so that they can subtract the first or second part, you know? Yeah, that's a good thing. plan. Right, uh, cool. And on and on C trumpet, right? Maybe give a transposed <laughs> version as well. Ah, there right? you go. All right, so, we got a lot of work coming up to do then. <laughs> yeah. So, in fact, you know, that's uh, the, of course, the 150 art songs are great for transposition, teaching transposition as well. Very true. Right? Yep. In fact, when people say, oh, you know, the Arbenz is so limited, you, you know, it doesn't work on high register. It doesn't work on transposition. I said, yeah. well, why don't you just read it up an octave? Why don't you work on, you know, read it up a fifth, read it up a... Definitely. You know. like, F transposition, that would be definitely t tough on your... And I've actually played a lot of those Arben phrase, uh, art of phrasing on piccolo. I mean, you can you can read them, mm -hmm. you know, read them in uh, C, like up a minor third on your APIC, uh, put it in C trumpet, and I think mm -hmm. those work well, too. Don't you love talking transposition with tuba players? Right? Because they don't right? just <laughs> like, I, no, you just change the fingerings. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, no, no, that's not how you do it. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> no, no, no. You have different fingerings for all the yeah. different, like, that makes no sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, we're right in an hour. I want to respect your time, but I, I want to say um, thank you. But I would love to visit yeah. with you again. Uh, yeah. down the road and see, you know, how the project's coming along. Um, Sounds great. And, uh, and hopefully have a glitch-free interview <laughs> after no the fact. But yeah. um, well, thank you. Um, let me wrap up here. Sure. Uh, and I will say to uh, Marisa and William, oh, William Clendenin, is that somebody you know as well? Uh, I think just on social media, but okay. yes. <laughs> uh, so Hi, thank William. you. Thank you for joining in. And uh, of course, this interview is going to be available on the YouTube channel tomorrow, as well as the audio will be available on uh, your podcast platforms. And I'll make sure I edit any of the glitch uh, glitch stuff out mm -hmm. if there edit exists. Of course, I do mm -hmm. want to say thank you to Trent Austin and Austin Custom Brass for sponsoring uh, this interview. Uh, do you know Trent? You know, we've run into each other at random things. So yes, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen him, but definitely we've, we, I've seen him at uh, different ITGs and conferences and, and we've, I, I know we've hung out here and there. I just, uh, it's been a little while. 
great guy. And just, uh, you know, like I say this every week is like a kid with, uh, oh my uh, you know, it's like Christmas every day Definitely. for him, you know? Yep. And he's just so versatile with, you know, his playing and teaching and his brass stuff and all the videos. He He's just great. Yeah. And another great resource, right? All of that stuff is such a great help to the trumpet, trumpet community. Definitely. Uh, so again, Trent, thank you, Trent. Uh, and Austin Custom Brass, of course, austincustombrass.biz.biz if you want to find their website. Uh, of course, next week, I've got Sarah Stone back uh, joining me. Then uh, James Morrison the week after that. And Chris Coletti rounding out the month of June. So uh, of course, this has been great with uh, you tonight, Jen. I appreciate you being here. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's really and nice. uh, so hang on right there. I'm going to sign off here with everybody. Uh, again, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.